Dreams and the Curious. My name is Pendo and welcome to 12 Point Font, my writing podcast where I answer questions, conduct interviews, give advice, point out resources, gush over my favorite books, writers, and both things, and just generally babble as I muddle my way through the world of words. Today is episode 49 and we will be covering close reading. But first, the idiomatic expression for today comes from Peru and it is only four cats at the party. So to find out what that means, go ahead and put your Google machine away. Just stick around until the end of the show where I will have masterfully crafted for you a writing prompt to go along with that idiom. Hello, my lovely listeners. I realized much too late that I did not tell you all that 12 point font was taking a break for a month or more literally until the end of the month of March. So, you know, after the final episode of our poetry section. Um, surprise! And also, I'm sorry. So if you were wondering what happened to me, and if the podcast was still happening, I took a break, and yes. All right, with all of that fun stuff out of the way, I figured that coming right out of the poetry section of the podcast now is a perfect time to introduce close reading. This episode is going to run a little long, so I'm going to go ahead and split it into a part one and a part two. I know a lot of the people that listen to this podcast also participate in things like NaNoWriMo and Camp Nano, and this just happens to be April, and I get that. So I'm not going to go ahead and inundate you with a whole bunch of information while you were trying to get those novels down. And for those of you listening later, well, you can just kind of binge the episodes in succession, I guess. Okay, what is close reading? Great question. Close reading is to literature what scansion is to poetry. All right, if you weren't here for the last poetry episode, first of all, I would very much encourage you to go ahead and listen to it. It is as Beyonce would describe that good good in my totally unbiased, entirely not promotional at all opinion. Right, so close reading describes the literary practice of reading and analyzing a text. It's most effective to begin close reading with canon texts and brilliant readings, if you're already versed in literary ringo and have a bit of a basis. However, I find it actually easier to begin close reading with children's books. Whoa, 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 don't leave. I'm not being patronizing. I'm being entirely serious. Here's the thing. Part of what makes literary canon, well, literary is its ambiguity. A piano teacher wouldn't have you start reading sheet music with Wagner or Hans Zimmer. No, they start you off with music that's simple, music that's explicit. No hidden key changes, no sudden time signature shifts, no random sharps and flats. The mistake happens in thinking that works that are simple are 1. easy to create, 2. easy to execute well, and 3. less impressive than complicated works. A well-done children's book may be just as painstakingly rendered as a poem or a short story. Anyone who doesn't think children deserve or receive good literature is sorely mistaken. Just take Dr. Seuss, for example, a genius if ever there was one, who dedicated much of his considerable skill to children's literature. I mean, just listen to the popular Dr. Seuss book, Walk It In My Pocket, as read by professional rapper Migos. Allegedly. No, I'm not going to play it because I honestly don't know if it's copyrighted or not, like for either of us. I will, however, gladly leave the link to that in the show notes. 
Certainly some may say that Dr. Seuss is poetic, and he may well be, but that is not the argument. The statement here is that prose can have the same depth as poetry, especially with the short story form. Careful writing, like Seuss's writing, deserves careful reading. Fear not though, this episode we will be exploring close reading through the iconic short story The Telltale Heart by Edgar Allan Poe. I am simply suggesting that if you want a good place to start close reading on your own, children's books are an excellent place to begin. So, how do you do a close reading? Great question! There are technical aspects of a close reading, where you dissect the conscious and unconscious literary devices used in the text. There are also methods of close reading that help to extract the greatest potential from a text. However, there is no one-size-fits-all method for close reading. This episode will cover just one way, the way I found most effective at close reading. You're probably asking yourself, or not, I don't know you and your mind, but you might be asking yourself, why bother close reading, Pendo? Basketball players are on the court dribbling and shooting hoops and all that sports stuff, not sitting on the sidelines watching other players play. As a writer, shouldn't I just be writing? Why do we even have to bother with close reading? That is a fair question. As a writer, your job is to write, not look at other people's writing. Here's the thing, though. A good player doesn't just practice, they also do spend time watching other people play. Not just for entertainment, though. As someone looking to hone your craft, when you read another writer's work, you, as you become a better reader, you are able to identify the methods that good writers use to influence an audience. Next episode, we will touch on rhetoric, and hopefully by the end of this unit, you will be able to identify and use new techniques to persuade, influence, and affect your audience. But for now, let's just focus on close reading. The second really good reason to learn to be a better reader is to learn the conventions of the forms. You want to emulate or subvert. Remember the whole, you gotta know the rules to break the rules thing I always am talking about? Turns out you gotta know the rules to know the rules. Pendo, what are you talking about now? Stop speaking in riddles. Just say it straight, please. All right, all right. Here's what I mean. As a writer, the second you decide to share your work, you aren't just writing for you anymore. You're writing for an audience. How are you supposed to meet your audience's expectations if you have no idea what your audience even likes? Being an avid reader isn't just about filling up your writerly inspiration well and satisfying your muse, as cool as that is to do. It is also about adding tools to your writerly toolbox. If you want to write good stuff, you have to read good stuff. And bad stuff, and all that stuff in between. You need to digest the words and dissect the works so that you can pick out what makes something good or bad or mediocre. If you can't deconstruct another writer's work, where you're able to be, if not objective, at least rational about their words, how on earth do you expect to be able to deconstruct your own work? And trust me, this is a problem I struggle with as well. And it isn't just the mistakes or the accidents. If a writer does something well, don't you want to be able to reverse engineer the effects so that you can use the same or similar techniques on your own? Alright, I think we've spoken enough about the relative advantages and disadvantages of learning to close read. Next episode, we will look at my methods of close reading, which I have broken down into three steps. Here are my three steps to a successful close reading. Step one, the reading. This is broken down into two parts, reading to yourself and reading out loud. Step two, the engineering. This is broken down into three parts, disassembly, construction, and recognition. Then there's step three, the understanding. That's what do the moving parts do and how do I replicate the effect. 
Don't worry, we will cover all of this once more next episode. All right, for those of you interested in close reading or just reading in general, I highly recommend that whatever you are reading, you try and get in physical format or in a format that you can make notes on. If it's impossible to make notes directly on the text, or if you're the kind of person who sees writing in the margins of books as sacrilege, first of all, please do not look through my bookshelf for, you know, no reason in particular, nothing to hide here. But also, get yourself a dedicated notebook or a nice pad of paper. Legal paper will work, and college ruled as well. But I highly recommend grid paper because your ideas will not always be linear. If you are the tablet kind of reader or a digital reader, I recommend using some sort of app that allows you to use a stylus so you can draw or write on the page or some sort of app that allows you to make notes and highlight certain pieces of the text. Great, it is on to the book of the week. If you follow me on Instagram, you probably saw one of my posts recently. It was a reread of one of my favorite books, The Thief by Megan Whalen Turner. If you don't follow me on Instagram and you would like to, the link is of course in the show notes and in the end notes as well because shameless plug. Anyways, The Thief by Megan Whalen Turner is about, well, I don't want to spoil it or say too much, but it's about a thief. <laughs> Sorry, that felt like a dad joke. I'm, I refuse to take it back though. Right, so The Thief is about a thief. I don't want to say it's fantasy necessarily, but it does have some fantastic elements to it. An all-around modern classic, I cannot recommend it enough. I usually reread it at least once a year, if not more, like the whole series. Please, everybody, go check out The Thief by Megan Whalen Turner. Also, exciting news on that front, the final book in the series comes out this year. I know it was delayed, if you are following, but it is still coming this year. Right, and the last thing I want to say is that I know right now seems kind of scary. If you're listening to this way after the fact, then thank goodness we all survived. I'm going to use the P word. We survived the pandemic. But I know that this has had a serious impact on a lot of people. Many of us writerly types are finding ourselves with sudden spare writing time for all the wrong reasons. A lot of us are trapped inside and are unsure of how to deal with that. Many of us have found ourselves unable to get back into writing because, you know, times are something. Whoever you are, wherever you are, I'm not going to serve you some false platitude, things like you aren't alone and everybody's here for you. But I will say this, we are alive in an incredible time. The internet has given us a wonderful resource for finding community. Writers, readers, and the generally curious people are still out there. Just because you have to be physically distant doesn't mean you can't be with people still, and that's kind of amazing. All right, enough of that sincerity. Ugh. That's it for today. Thank you so much for listening all the way through. If you want more, come on over and hang out with me on Instagram or Twitter at Pendoland, or check out my website, pendoland.com. If you are not yet tired of my voice, make sure to subscribe to the podcast on whatever platform you are on. Intro and outro for the podcast is Meadows by Ramsoid. Of course, all this and anything else I have talked about will be linked in the show notes as well. If you have a second, it would be super cool if you could give this a good rating on whatever podcasting platform you are on. It just helps a lot with visibility. If you can't give it a good rating or 
And I get it. I understand. It takes honestly a lot of effort to tap something into that box and run through all of the steps. And I am not being facetious here. You are currently hands off and you probably don't want to get hands on. My only request would be that you tell one person you know, just one person you know about the podcast and help spread another writerly resource in the writing community. Now, for the idiomatic expression of the day, today's actually came to me through my good friend Anna, and it was only four cats at the party. The English equivalent of this expression being the party was dead. Basically, this indicates that something was poorly attended or uneventful. So, for your exercise this week, I want you to write literally the most uneventful scene you possibly can in 100 words or less. I mean, this thing should be so boring it puts even you to sleep. Want to challenge yourself? There can be no dialogue, but there must be at least two characters in the scene. We're going to be building off this one next week. So if you haven't jumped into any of these writing exercises yet, this might be the one for you. Okay then, you've got this. I believe in you. This has been 12 Point Font reminding you to stay creative, stay curious, and stay writing. Until next time, that is goodbye. Goodbye.